read in 1 Timothy this week where Paul said in 15, 1 Timothy uh, 1, 15 through 16, there is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is my story as an unlikely deacon, suffering through addiction, severe depression, extreme anxiety, and suicide attempts, and Craig's grief affair. During the Lytton series on death, I have experienced the physical death of my mom, but what really spoke to me was the different deaths that we can go through. My emotional and spiritual death and what a ripple effect it causes on the people that I love and how much hurt that they experience through me. And then on Good Friday, Ford's meditation, the Holy Spirit nudged me that I needed to make amends to my stepdaughter, Lisa, for not meeting her sooner once I found out about her. It, this kept her from being a part of our family and our lives for two years and part of her, not being a part of her dad's life. So I called Lisa, I think it was on Mother's Day, to apologize to her and to ask for forgiveness. And she assured me I had nothing to uh, ask for forgiveness. That she loved me and she was grateful that I was her mom. In 1986, uh, we moved from Illinois to Raleigh, North Carolina. Craig's job moved us everywhere. We attended Church of the Nativity, an Episcopal church in town. It was a church plant. I led the prayer ministry. It was a lay Eucharistic minister, led pastoral care. And uh, during these few years, I just felt a strong call to the diaconate. So I called two of my spiritual directors, uh, Father Pollard and Father Onquist, and asked them to be praying with me uh, through this. Well, on two different days, I received two letters, and they each had the same message, that this was something God was calling me to, but they feared I would go through many trials and tribulations before he ordained me. Well, after a period of time, I forgot that, and just couldn't figure out what in the world they were talking about. Well, in 1990, my mom was diagnosed with ALS. She died in 1992, and she was my very best friend. She was the only person in this world that I thought truly, truly loved me. We were thankful that God had answered our prayers and she didn't suffer any longer, because she could have suffered many years. And that was not her prayer either. I was given prayers as Isaiah 40, 28 to 31 to share with my mom. And this was her prayer every single day. It became mine, and it still is to this day. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him has no might increases strength. 
even the youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall be exhausted, be exhausted, fall and be exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Despite preparing myself for two years of my mother's death, I was surprised at the feelings of deep depression, anxiety, abandonment, overwhelming sadness, and such a broken heart. I would cry out to God. I would pick up a pillow, I would beat that pillow, and I would throw it in the room because I just didn't know what to do, and I would ask him why he took her so early in her life and my life. Craig traveled the majority of the time, and I had a neighbor who liked to have a happy hour at 5 o'clock. And so uh, she soon began inviting me. Well, this was perfect. After a while, I realized that that was the only time that I felt good. It was a good way to medicate myself. As my sister told me last month, I had no idea how rapidly your alcoholism increased, and it did. It was unbelievably fast. My 5, 5 p.m. drink soon became a 9 to 10 a.m. and all day, unless Craig was in town and I had to stop early. Within a year and a half, I was having blackouts. I had blacked out one day on my way home from a visit with my psychiatrist. And uh, I picked up my mail and I was going down the hill and I quickly blacked out and I hit a stone embankment and I had uh, 80 stitches in my head and nobody asked me if I'd been drinking um, and no police were called. This was, look back, this was God's hand of protection over me as he did many times. On the weekends when Craig was home, I would get in the car and drive around and drink these little bottles of wine. I was afraid to get the big ones if I might see me. And um, drink, because I was so afraid of um, going into withdrawal that weekend. I began to get concerned that I was an alcoholic. My dad was, and I did not want to be like him. We had moved um, to Crystal Lake, Illinois that year. Uh, it was 1994. So I called him, and he recommended that I go to AA, uh, but I did not. I was enjoying not knowing anyone and being able to drink to medicate myself. On Easter morning, as we were getting ready for church, I had a seizure, and we called ENT, and it was the first time that I admitted to anyone that I was an alcoholic. Craig took me to the hospital. They wanted me to stay. Um, Craig was traveling, I stayed one night, and then I uh, dismissed myself, and a friend took me home, and as soon as I got home, I got in a car. I drove to the store and bought some alcohol. Wine, that's what, that was my drink of choice. Um, I began, I did begin going to AA meetings, and I went to an AA meeting every single day for a year. In 1996, though, after a year of sobriety, Craig came home one day, and he was crying, and I couldn't figure out what in the world. I thought maybe somebody had died, and he shared his secret with me. He had kept a secret for 16 years that he had had a brief affair and had a daughter 
that was 16 years old. I just couldn't believe it. I didn't believe it. I wanted her to have a test. I was angry, I was upset. But his father said, all you have to do is take one look at her. They had met Lisa. And you will know that she is definitely crazy. But I was not going to meet her. My family had met her. Whitney had flown home with Craig to meet her. And everybody loved her. And everybody in my family felt sorry for Craig because he kept the secret all these years and just kept encouraging me uh, to meet her, which just increased the anger. Uh, the depression got even worse, the anxiety, the panic attacks all got out of control. And soon I relapsed again. Uh, that was the only way that I knew that I could hurt him as much as he hurt me. This time I began drinking the minute I got out of bed, 6 a.m., I would get my Bible, I would go into the kitchen and I would have my quiet time. And I know that sounds strange, but I knew sitting and being with the Lord and reading his scriptures was the only hope that I had. He was definitely my lifeline, and he didn't care how I came to him. During this entire time of mom's death, alcoholism, and a troubled marriage, I never thought of missing my time with Jesus each morning. As I said, he was my lifeline, despite being in the wilderness. In the midst of fear, I needed to hear his promises, which I see now gave me hope. I would never miss my quiet time. This just was not an option. I would get on my knees during the day. In the middle of the night, I would get up and I would pray the Psalms. I would cry out, particularly Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, 63, 1 through 4, and Psalm 118. And I couldn't figure out how I could get sober. I just wasn't ready to surrender. I was trying to hide my drinking. I would stop drinking and brush my teeth and eat a lot of breath uh, lozenges before Craig would get home if he was in town. In the winter, when he would be gone on the weekend, when he was out running errands, I would go out and I would buy my alcohol because I was afraid of withdrawal. Most of the time it was snowing, so I would, uh, when I got home, I would uh, take a broom and I would shovel up the car marks in the driveway. I would uh, clean off the car, dry it off with a towel, and dry off the uh, wet that was in the garage floor. So drinking was a lot of hard work for me. I would fall on the, sleep, fall on the couch to sleep at night. I would pass out because I was so afraid of withdrawal and I had drank so much during the day. I had lost all hope. And uh, in 1996, I just decided one day I couldn't live anymore. And I knew Craig had a gun, and I knew where it was. And so I walked into the family room, and I picked up his gun, and I put it to right here, and I pulled the trigger, and I missed. I hit, blew a hole in the TV instead. So I know, I know it was God's hand that just put that gun out of the way.
and this was the day before just in our private session and, she, and I said I need to meet Lisa and to have her part of our family well the whole time I was there that was the last thing that I wanted to do and she looked at me and she said do you know what just came out of your mouth and I said no and I don't know where it came from well obviously it came from the Lord and that was my heart's desire. I knew that that's what I needed. I was so tired of living in the secret and being angry at Craig and being angry at Wanda, who was Lisa's mother. And so Craig agreed. We still had to keep it a secret from Square D where he worked because this has, had happened with an employee. When I got, when I arrived home, the first thing I did was get on an airplane, fly to Kentucky, to our hometown, and I called Lisa to see if she would be willing to meet with me. And she said yes. In fact, when I, she answered the phone, I thought I had dialed the wrong number because she sounded just like Whitney, our oldest daughter. So she agreed to come over the next day to my in-laws house where I was staying to meet me. And for some reason, I, I was not nervous. I was excited about meeting this young woman who was my stepdaughter. And so I opened the door, and there she was standing there, and she looked just like my daughter Whitney, and she looked like her dad. And, I mean, I, it was unbelievable how the Lord just opened my heart. And before I even said anything to her, I was just filled with this incredible, incredible love that I was absolutely overwhelmed uh, with God's goodness and mercy that he had poured out on me and on her. So she came in and we had a, we had a beautiful visit. Um, she still wanted to know if she could call me mom because she had a very bad relationship with her mom. We talked about her going to college and she asked me if I would help her prepare. And of course, I was so excited to, to do all of that. And she said all she ever wanted was a sister. All Whitney ever wanted was a sister. And, you know, all I ever wanted was another child. Uh, I got the child, Whitney got her sister, but it was not the way that I would have had, had it happen. But I uh, shared with her Psalm 139 about how God knew her before she was created in her mom's womb and that he had a purpose and plan for her and that we were so excited to have her part of her family. I made her her own room in her house and the first time she came to visit, she was just in awe for the way that she had been welcomed into our family. It was at Christmas time. Excuse me, my hands. In fact, I even left out a part that won't go into all the details, but it had a really another bad, bad relapse. And I was on the treadmill one day and I was listening to this song by uh, Mercy Me called Undone. And I thought, Lord God, why have you not broken these chains of addiction and this alcohol for me? And I was angry. I had, I was hopeless, and I immediately got off the treadmill. I walked over, I got a table, I pulled it, I put the rope over the pipe again, I 
put the noose around my neck, and I kicked the table. And as it got tight, I got scared. Once again, the Lord saved my life because I was able to put my foot out, my toes hit the table, and kick it back and get on it. Well, I had to tell, I had to call Craig. I called my spiritual director and I called my AA sponsor. And they came over and uh, the next day I called the Betty Ford Center to see if I could come back. And so they, uh, they said I could. So I, um, a few days later, I went back out. And that time, that was 2005, July the 23rd or 5th, uh, I had my last drink. So I'm just about to have, I forget, I can't count right now. I'm going to do this July. Yes, I'm going to count that for me. Anyway, 18 years of sobriety. I'm Jennifer. God used Alpha. We went to did Alpha at Holy, Holy Trinity. Um, I did the Bible study. Uh, met two of my best friends. Uh, my priest suggested that I seek a counselor, a Christian counselor. And she provided me with a lifeline. The Lord really used her to, to bring away, to let, I, let me go of all the anger that I had at myself, the shame and uh, not accepting God's forgiveness. So we got involved with Alpha, and God used Alpha to completely transform Craig's life and my life. We were on a weekend, and the passage for the weekend was Ezekiel 26, 25 to 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I was so grateful to know that God has taken this promise to take this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Turned my life around. Craig and I began uh, having evening quiet times together. We would pray together. We started serving in ministry together. We began to work on our communication. This was after we retired. We renewed our wedding vows with Ford. I think it was at 45 years, which we didn't wait to 50. I didn't want to wait to 50. Uh, and this October, we will have been married 54 years by the grace of God. I like to think of our life and my life like the potter and the clay. I can just visualize this God's hands working together on this to make a beautiful pot that He wants to use. But it keeps cracking. He's breaking, so he continues to work more. And finally, well, I'm not going to ever be without cracks, but finally it gets to a point where it is, for I, he made me into a beautiful image. 
through his redemption and saving grace. Luke 15, 8-10 was part of what Ford read this morning. When I reflected on the lost coins, I thought, you know, Craig and I were those lost coins. And out of God's unconditional love, steadfast mercy, death on his cross and resurrection, he never gave up and he brought us back to him. And he rejoices in our return. Well, in 2014, I began the ordination process. Once again, God was at work in my life. I was happy helping Ward pack up his office. Uh, we had just started planting Redeemer. And I picked up a book and I said, oh, I read that book. When did you read the book? Well, I was praying about uh, discerning to become a deacon. And he looked at me, and you may not remember this, but he said, I think maybe now's the time. So we met with the leadership uh, directors of the diocese, and uh, he wrote a letter to Bishop Steve, and I was given the okay to go ahead and to begin the process. On September 16th in 2016, I was ordained a deacon. Uh, I served Redeemer in, on Sundays and in pastoral care. And then Bishop Steve asked me to be the candidate for prayer ministry for the diocese. And then I became chaplain to the women deacons and ordinance to the diocese. And I retired from that this past fall in November. I have and I continue to learn the importance of sharing the steadfast love of Jesus, his mercy and grace and forgiveness with fellow believers. We need others who will help us grow in our faith. Support us, encourage us, and pray for us. Together we can accomplish great things for God's kingdom. One of my dear friends that helped me was Lindsay Jordan. I wanted to go to Rwanda so bad, I always wanted to be a missionary in Africa. And when the apostles was going to take a trip, they were going to teach English as a second language. I had not been to college, I didn't know how to teach, and I thought, oh, I'm going to miss this trip, and I prayed for these people for two years. And she said, Teresa, do you love these people? And I said, yes. And she said, that's all you need. And then our study in Bible study that year was on Abraham. And when I read again, once again, that Abraham, when God called to step out into the unknown, Okay, I love them, and that's all I need, according to Lindsay. So I will step out into the unknown. Uh, I had no idea what was going to happen in Rwanda, and I'm getting ready to go on my seventh trip. In closing, I have a first cousin who wrote a devotion book this past year, and the other night, in one of his reflections on eight, one to four, uh, Jeffrey said, God constantly works in his children's lives even when we don't immediately recognize it. This is one reason we should praise him in dark times. He is shaping us into the people he wants us to be. So I have discovered that all the trials and tribulations of my life and of what Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, I won't read all of that, but it closes with, it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing which I send it. So God used all of that to get me ordained, to prepare me to love and to care for others, and to 
be help redeem her and for help you all, for all of us to be a strong Christian community. And I've learned Jesus is our great shepherd, and he never stops seeking us out. And I just <clears throat> want you to know if anybody ever wants to talk, if I can ever help anybody in any way, don't hesitate to let me know, and I'll be happy to meet with you. So my closing prayer is, bless the Lord on my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord on my soul and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Amen. Thank you.